Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to The Sap. It's your boy, Dave Neal, and this episode is a great one with my co-host, Tasha Courtney, and our guest, Anthony Amarello. Anthony's a very funny stand-up comedian from the great state of Massachusetts, kid. We talked to Anthony about um, his uh, dating life, uh, getting out of a long-term relationship, picking up the pieces after breakup, and not just uh, surviving, but thriving. We talk about how he got into stand-up comedy, living this creative world, and share some really funny stories from high school school and college. I love the I love the high school and college stores. I love rem- reminiscing about our past. You're going to love Anthony. He's a real he's a real uh, honest, authentic guy and anyway, you're going to you're going to really relate to the stories that he shares and uh, we had a really uh, great uh, time talking to him and uh, anyway, if you want any of our um, private episodes. We have the premium membership, which ha- helps us uh, pay for uh, the gear and the uh, all the stupid shit we need to buy for this podcast. You know, we don't really take many uh, sponsorships. So if you want to be a part of the solo episodes, the private episodes, the car cast episodes, the mimosa stand-up show, all this extra content that you can get uh, access to immediately when you start subscribing to the monthly membership, you go to patreon.com slash the sap, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash T-H-E-S-A-P. And once you go over there, like I said, you get access to the full library of content. We've just celebrated our one-year anniversary on Patreon, so there's tons of episodes. There's evergreen content. Like Sometimes I like to just go online and look at Cosmo's 27 Ways to Please Your Man, and I like to read them from my point of view and rip them apart or we'll do car cast episodes where it's Tasha and myself sitting in traffic driving home from somewhere those are some of the best episodes because we we go off the rails there's something about sitting in a car that can really let you speak your mind that you're honking at a airstream that's drifting into your lane of traffic you know what i mean folks uh anyway uh thank you guys so much for everyone who has supported the patreon we've had um so many of you guys stop by to support any donations help jake is our newest patreon member from georgia jake from georgia he found us from watching one of our videos on youtube and um here we are today so we appreciate all the different ways people can find us as some of you guys know we've uh, started doing a three camera setup on youtube and it takes me time to put together it's really great though we uh i finally found out how to shoot multi-cam podcasting so we've got a three camera setup of all of our new episodes so you can go on my youtube just search dave neal or just search the sap podcast and you'll be able to find it on youtube and um we appreciate anyone who subscribes over there. I mean, because I feel like YouTube's the one way new people can find us. You know, the podcast app, as I always say, for every for every time I climb the charts, 15 new celebrities get a podcast and then I'm buried into oblivion. So if you want to support the show, leave a friendly comment. I suggest doing it at the podcast page. Um, I'm uploading full episodes and then I'm uploading short clips, anything to get new folks to hear our message. That's the plan. Um, some people don't want to donate to the Patreon, but they do want to donate. So if that's the case with you, we'll gladly accept a Venmo or a PayPal donation. Our next goal with the Patreon money is to buy a Rodecaster Pro, which is a new mixer setup. So we can actually play the uh, intro outro music um, at the, you know, in the moment, kind of shoot it more like a radio show. And it's a really cool piece of gear that's made by Rode, which is a uh, audio company based out of Australia. So they've got the Rodecaster Pro. So that's on my dream list of the next piece of gear I want. As you guys know, we've been struggling with one of our uh, mixers in creating good audio like we you know we turn the wrong way or if Tasha gets a text message that you know the audio starts 
buzzing for no reason. So you guys probably can't even hear it because I'm able to remove it in post, but it's we're trying to simplify our life. And one of the ways is going to get this new Roadcaster Pro. I'll put a link to it in the description here if you guys want to check it out. So any donations are um, we're, we're happy to receive, whether it's through Patreon, PayPal, or just a positive affirmation. Leave us a review. If you can't do anything else, share us on your Instagram story. Screen grab this podcast player and share it at the dot sap on Instagram stories. And we're happy to repost it for you guys. Uh, let's get into the goods. Without further ado, here's my chat with Tasha Courtney and Anthony Amarello. Everything's on. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the SEP. As always, your boy Dave Neal with Tasha Courtney and Anthony Amarello. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome. Crushing beers tonight. We got a New Englander in the house. Thanks for having me. We always go. I can't. My this is this my ears? Can you can you hear yourself? Yeah, yeah. we can. Okay, hear. it was just me. Um, all right, let's let's get right into it. I appreciate you coming over here. I um, I like to get to know every New England comic I've ever met. That's how I like to work my way through them. So Seems tell us what. Yeah, what's your New England? Uh, tell your New England background. What's going on? Your family been there for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm from Worcester, Massachusetts, uh, which is literally the heart of Massachusetts. They have hearts on all their street signs because we're the heart of Massachusetts. Wow. Uh, what's the highway? The 270? What's that highway? 290. 290. There it is. See? 290. A little bit of street cred. You, you, uh, you get all the snow that Boston doesn't get. Like, yeah. If Boston gets three inches, you guys get a foot. Yeah, because Worcester's also like a valley. Uh, it's seven hills. is like it, It's terrible weather-wise. But uh, yeah, my family, uh, literally like 93% of my family lives there. Like me, I live here in Los Angeles. My sister, her husband and kid live in San Diego. There's like seven people that live in Florida. Everybody else lives in Worcester. Uh, my great grandfather came here in 1915, had 10 no kids, shit. started a business. Uh, from that, Italy? Was he from Italy? Yeah. And that's only because... Uh, his dad had one kid with his wife and 19 with a mistress, guys. The same mistress? <laughs> wow. Yeah. One mistress. One mistress. Holy, that seems like a like, that's like a NFL wide receiver move right yeah. there. That's, I'm <laughs> no. not, that's not, that's. A, <laughs> Wait, did the wife know about the mistress? Was the mistress like a secret? Uh, There's no way you have 19 kids with somebody and keep it a secret. The right? joke is at what point does the wife become the mistress? Yeah. You know, because <laughs> like 19 to 1. But, but back uh, in those golden years, you didn't have the internet to blow up your spot. You just, you just swept shit under the rug. This was your well, great great grandpa or your. My great great. great grandfather is the one that fathered these children my great grandfather was one of the 19 bastard kids but if you i would love to read their diary um it's i this all just came out because uh my grandfather just passed away and he was the last of his generation so now i'm just like hearing stories like you know people tell stories at funerals and after death and everyone and has their own version of events too. yeah this has been pretty well documented though yeah, uh, funerals are just like podcasts yeah. <laughs> that they don't record you know what i mean they're like we could have used this information before grandpa like like yeah. this would have been awesome to know your yeah, street you cred. learn so much about your family <laughs> members like at my grandma's funeral i mean there was stuff that i knew but i like didn't really know like I had been told at such a young age that my grandma like worked on the planes in World War II I you know I yeah. I didn't know what that 
meant but that's until why I, yeah. now. I feel like having a terminal illness might be the way to go because then you can like maybe get those stories out while you're still on your deathbed or something. Well, I feel like that's uh, the way I would want to be. I think that's be. what people are thinking about though. That's what, uh, so my grandfather passed away. He was fighting Parkinson's and cancer. So like we knew it was coming and I've lived out here for the last four years. So every time I went home, Anytime I spent a lot of my time with him and I was literally just pulling every story I can. And I know a great amount about my family, which is nice because I think I know about certain things that a lot of people in my family don't know, or at least his version of it. But uh, it's nice to find out that stuff. And it's interesting. Like I would have never have known about the 19 bastard children and like all 19 of those kids got sent to different orphanages. They never saw each other again. Oh, they never. That's interesting. I didn't. She didn't raise. They didn't raise these kids. I have to imagine this woman passed away from giving birth. Okay. Uh, Nineteen births in nineteen hundred. That's there's no C sections. There's no yeah. like medicine. Like you're, also, you, and only and back then you only lived to. I think I looked it up. Like women only lived to about thirty five. Nineteen pregnancies is fourteen years of birth. You know, so like she was, she had to be 15. And not only 19 pregnancies, 19 pregnancies that go full term. I mean, there's plenty right. of like, you know, you know, you go a couple months, whatever, you know, whatever. Do I need to get the bug zapper? This fucking bug's going to be, should I get the, I might have to get no, the fucking bug. It's it going to hit me all, we got a whole another hour. If, if that bug comes back one more time, I'm getting the zapper <laughs> all right, okay. on air. Um, but that's insane that you didn't find that out. And that's also, ins- oh, were you raised Catholic? Uh, yeah. So my dad's side of the family is Catholic and my mom's side of the family is Armenian Apostolic, which is Christian, but it's Armenian Christian, like Greek Orthodox, like mm-hmm. I, I like this. The service is three hours long in in an Armenian, but it's we believe in God. <laughs> so I, like, it's nothing. No, the Catholics Do you guys go forty five. Fancy stuff like the Catholics have like incense and chants and uh, all that. We have the most incense. <laughs> <laughs> Armenians uh, love the incense, dude. But uh, I, but yeah, I was raised to believe in God. I went to Sunday school uh, my whole life, and then I went to an all male Catholic high school uh, for four years. So I have Jesus within me. Now the all male Catholic high school that. I've heard from guys that did go to like an all male Catholic high school that it was a great experience. Were oh, you? Were you? I loved it. Parody, because you don't have to worry. Because for me, growing growing up in a high school, like we were looking at the girls' thongs. The uh, we call them the. Uh, the uh, whale's tails, yeah, oh, but yeah. nonstop looking at thong. We're in math class, and there's like thong, thong. Everyone's thongs up their ass. Like I can't imagine the level of distraction you didn't have. Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of testosterone. It was a lot of like being in a green room at a comedy show where you, everybody's just roasting each other back and forth, <laughs> and, and, and even like the teachers are in on it because it's literally like I think we probably had four female faculty members and the rest was just dudes and uh, any cute ones because that must have been a <laughs> hostile environment uh there was one good looking teacher when i was there she was only there for like a year because she, she married a doctor she was uh, did not no, need okay. teaching anymore <laughs> but uh she was cute and i remember this kid got expelled because uh she he was in her homeroom and she asked what the rules were for dress down days because we, we obviously had a uniform and it was really strict but dress down days were still like you couldn't wear sweatpants like you couldn't like uh like baggy clothes weren't in like basically jeans and a polo but uh she asked and he said that's where we all come in naked and uh 
gave the wink, and that does not fly at Catholic school. How progressive wow, of your Catholic school. Uh, in my community, Catholic school was where you went when you got expelled from public school. Yeah. So Catholic school was like all the bad kids. Like that was where like oh, there no. was a ton of drug use and like dealing. Like if you were buying weed in Kentucky when I was uh, in high school, you were getting it from one of the kids at the Catholic I was, school. I was supposed to go well, to Catholic the ones school. that aren't getting arrested because they go to Catholic school. Yeah, Nobody's their parents are them. rich. They I, got good lawyers. How are you meeting the ladies? Yeah. How are you meeting, you know, how are you oh. school dance, like mixed dances? So here's, uh, here's the thing. Worcester is about 100,000 people. It's a big city. It's the second biggest city in New England. Uh, St. John's, the school I went to, every parent, most parents want their daughters to marry a St. John's grad. Like that is like the epitome of Worcester is St. John's. Oh, so you get the parents' approval. Yeah, oh, you you are in like Flynn when it comes <laughs> to parents. Parents are the least of your worries. Uh, also St. John's, and it, it kind of got messed up at the end of my, like I'm, I don't know, you guys are a little bit older than me. I'm 28, how old are you guys? Older, I'm, yeah. 30, <laughs> I'm, I'm almost 35, Tasha's between us. Okay, okay. To put it nicely. I think my... Like, 28 is probably the last time where you could really, like, get away with a lot of stuff before everything. uh, This is what I'm saying. We used to have school dances, and only St. John's guys could come, but any girl under the age of 18 could go. It it doesn't matter where you're from. Nice. So it would be, like, 3,000 people in a gym. There are 1,200 boys, 1,500 girls. And everybody would just like all the faculty would be outside. So of the, the gym. girls didn't have to be somebody's date. It was oh, like no. open call for girls. Oh, oh you're yeah. feeling up it on was the a dance cattle floor. Call. It was a cattle call. That's what it was. You it got was, the boners on the. Ve- she got the velvet dress on. You got the khaki and, boner hitting up against the and, thigh. Don't look at me, Tasha. This is how it well, works. Uh, oh yeah, that is how it works. <laughs> and not only that, you have the testosterone of you're going to see these guys on Monday, and everyone's going to know if you talk to a girl or not. It's a big deal if yeah. you don't talk to a girl at an all-guys oh, school. Dude, day, I'm so know? pumped up for this right <laughs> now. I'm so excited. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they <laughs> girls would flock there. But then I, I remember one time, I'll never forget it, this dude, Scott Busada, lo- lovable kid, excellent football player, not the sharpest tool in the shed, had this girl grinding with him, and he hooked his thumbs in, as you call it, the whale tail, and had her thong up in the air as this girl is at a 90 degree angle. And well, then, first of all, was she not wearing a dress? Or are these jeans? jeans. Oh, okay. This yeah. wasn't like a formal dance. Okay. No, 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 no. no. All right. Uh, yeah. Like, and, and I'll never forget it. He's and, doing some uh, some uh, tightrope. Yeah. Work. And that was probably like the least <laughs> disgusting thing going on. Like there, you'd find condoms on the floor at the end of the night. But I remember what? watching this. And then the headmaster of the school, which is like equivalent to the principal, you know, he's in charge, walked in and uh, he was actually my friend's dad. Uh, He's a really good guy, Mike Welsh. And I never seen someone look so appalled. And he stood this girl up right and was like, (laughs) where are your parents? And then like, imagine you were like thumbs deep in a whale tail. And then like all of a sudden you're looking a 56 year old white man in the face where are your parents? Like Wait, that. What he, was he National asking the Geographic. girl or was the girl, he asking the guy? The girl. And that, That's bullshit. Well, Scott, she didn't pull her own underwear well, out. Well, 
No, but she definitely let it happen. Well, Scott was getting kicked out. That was like understood. Uh, but they yeah, always yeah, call. Yeah. It, they always say like, "Oh, it's slut shaming." But it's like these guys, they want pussy regardless. And now a girl's gonna back her ass up. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking She's like dancing and having a good time. Honey, the dance. That's what we're every, there for. Yeah, because when we'd have these semi-formal dances, the girls would be wearing dresses, short dresses. Guys wearing their khakis. For sure. For sure. Many guys got like vagina juice on their legs, and they would get like stain. You know, this would happen. Uh, not to oh, everyone, yeah. but you'd be like, "What's that? Is it, oh, you were grinding have... with that chick all night, and she's got her or sweat." No, honey, this isn't how sweat looks. I got, got <laughs> I got the phones are lighting up. Guys are calling in. This happens. I'm not saying every guy's got a, but it's literally the exact same spot of the thigh from guy. Look, when you're when you're 17, you got one dance move. You're going back and forth. You're letting her do all the moves, and whenever she looks in your direction, that's when you show off your your A game. You know what I mean? No, no guys out there doing a lot. Can we get a close up on Dave's A game? You're yeah. doing your thing, but if she's looking. <laughs> the other way that's the thing if she's backing it up and she's looking the other way and your buddy you're hi hey what's going on i gotta go on but if you take her out of the equation you're an asshole you got nothing you have no dance move if you take that but like while they're there you look like you know what you're doing did you ever purely supportive did you ever do this were you ever in a circle do you remember dancing with your friends and each uh girl would have a guy or a guy would have a girl and you'd be like in a circle and everybody would be grinding my cousin Paul used to do this thing where the girl would be grinding and he would be behind her going like this. <laughs> just the and one like, shoulder st- move? Yeah, it felt like with the ugliest face and just like staring all the guys down and we'd be dying. And then as soon as she looked back, he'd be like, yeah, doing the Dave A game. And she would never know. It was just so disrespectful. But I still I still do that dance move. But that's like <laughs> a guy learning a dance move. It's like if a pitcher has one good pitch. It's like I got a 96-mile-an-hour two-seamer, and I'm going to throw it every pitch I can. Once in a while, I'll, I'll drop in a curveball. No one's chasing it. It sucks. You just stick to that thing you got. You know, mm-hmm. there's always that one guy who's got that sprinkler move he's doing nonstop, or someone's hitting the floor or the crip walk. These are 90s dance moves. I don't think people actually do these. But we <laughs> Oh, Seawalk is like really big on TikTok. You, you called it Seawalk? That's what you call it on TikTok now. That's the new way Just that we call appropriating it. Appropriating gang culture. It's 2020, Dave. Get it together. TikTok's wild because it's a bunch of teenagers and us. Yeah. Um, and then I I got I couldn't get my video uploaded because I, I I was posting a stand up clip and I said dick like eight times in the in the bit I just I was saying I was talking about young dick energy so I kept on saying dick and then I and then I kept, I kept on get, get, getting kicked off and I go are they kicking me off for saying the d word I didn't swear in it nothing else I took dick out of the audio and re-uploaded it and it was fine yet there are hard n words on all these songs that oh, they're yeah. letting fifteen year old white chicks dance to oh that, what the fuck yeah. if you're not like making content on tiktok you're a a pedophile a, like have you noticed all chicks that they're 15 it's just year like, i opened that app and i was like oh this is not no this is not good i'm too old but, for this yeah way too old for it's this because pedophile. i'm not making it, that you're content. right though it's a breeding ground it's a breeding ground but also it is like the harshest like some of these song lyrics coming out behind 14 year old white girls in connecticut (laughs) it's almost jarring you're again where are you got that girl what's that girl's name charlie diamello is that her name something like that 35 million followers 35 she's 15 and and she's she's you can see it she's cute she's whatever she's doing it but then she's like just dancing look at and then yeah and then they're playing this like hardcore rap music you're like what the fuck but that's just yeah i mean the app it's 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 anyway so the point was video removed for like I was not wearing a bra, but I was wearing like a compression type 
tank top. So like mm. you really could not see, like you could not see anything. I've seen way more suggestion of a nipple many times, but flagged for removal. But the guys can That's go shirtless. Crazy. I mean, it's 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 a little wild because it's like some handsmaid's tale shit. Because on one end, it's like do, we don't necessarily want our teens to like be or anybody to be just rewarded for their booty shit. But on the app, it's the social science experiment of it all. It's dudes jumping off roofs, lighting their hair on fire, mm-hmm. and it's chicks shaking their tits or ass. Whatever that whatever the chick has, that's her value: her eyes, her ass, her tits, her legs. She's doing well, the camp can. You're selling it a little bit. But that's what goes viral, though. So it's like dudes you, being assholes. Not necessarily. Listen, there are all sorts of interests that like people are finding really creative ways to highlight their talents on Instagram. But, it's but true. I do have a point that I, like it's not the ugly girls dancing going viral. It's a popularity. Well, not models. everyone's dancing is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I think plenty of people go viral on there for being funny. I think the majority are viral on there from 54-year-old dudes watching them shake their heads <laughs> like that it's, is. It's, it's a perfect example of like growing up. Are you going to be the jock or funny or you, or both? Or are you going to be the hot chick or, you know, you have humor, attraction, IQ level. These are the things that like prolong your genetics, right? So like for you, you you were an athlete. When did the humor kick in? Were you just, just because you were in high school with all guys that you could just all be one-upping each other or what? Like how did you like when did you learn that you were funny? Uh young. You like re- I'm from a, like I said, I'm from a really big family. You got to you got to stick out to even <laughs> like you got to make you you got to hit your punchlines to be heard in that family. Yeah. So And uh, New England's kind of known as also cuz like you got harsh winters. You have the environments that kind of create sort of a hard hardness to like um, you know, I mean, you have you have religion which always brings out humor because it's like what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like yeah. you have like some sort of like repression there. Plus you've got just the harsh winters and sort of this like sort of like roast everyone's roasting each other. Well, I think what it is was we like my whole entire childhood probably through my early 20s was spent literally every weekend just hanging out with a hundred of my family members. Like that that was it. And when you are with people that long, you know way too much about them. So when they say something, you're going to call them on it. You know, like you're nothing's like if you want to get away with like if I was to ever say I took bail was taking ballet classes, I would be roasted probably till today about it. You know, like it's just yeah. it's your fan, especially like the way I look at it, especially for my family is it is literally like Goodfellas where you would just come together every weekend and you're eating, you're drinking, you're partying till two in the morning and you wake up, you clean up the yard and you do it again. And it's just roasting. It's like a comic screen room again. I feel like my whole life has just been a one big green room before so a show. I'm trying to do the math. You're six years or maybe seven years younger than me. So you got Facebook before high school. Is that uh, right? Did you have Facebook? Like, how, like how, I want to know how you were, aside from like seeing girls at the dance, how were you meeting girls? And when did you first like get into the dating, like the dating kind of sex scene? And, and, and before you answer that, I ask because my cousin Tim was from Woburn, which I know is not Worcester, but still sort of like the suburban Boston, New England kind of crowd. And he was, he taught me what a 69 was at a McDonald's by using French fries. <laughs> and he broke, it's the most, the most Boston thing ever. He broke up French fries into a 69 position. I was, I was such a mama's 
Mama's boy had no idea about anything sex wise. He showed me like the the porn websites. He he like had it. You know, he was like my my like uh, get laid shaman. <laughs> And he was, and Tim was like getting late early. We talked about every other episode. He's even, even to this day, he's a dad. He's still getting blowjobs in suburban uh, vehicles and stuff. So like, there's something about like growing up in a bigger city that I think does help you kind of experiment faster. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Uh, so I, a knew I liked women at a very young age. Like I'm talking kindergarten, first grade, like, I, I knew I was attracted to that. Also, I had two sisters that are older than me, and their friends, would they when we were in the same school, I'd be like in a single file line for the bubbler or something, and their class would walk by, and all her friends would, like their friends would like pinch my cheeks. And I, so like I knew at a very young age, like I need to be around women. <laughs> and then uh, the other thing that happened to me was I grew very fast, very quickly. When I was in eighth grade, I was 5'10", 180 pounds, could grow a beard, Wow, tan as can be. I was dating girls that were seniors in high school. They would come to my house and pick me up, and my sisters would be like, they're my age, and they would get pissed. Uh, I lost my virginity pretty young. Uh, and it, I hate saying this because it feels like What's I'm... What's pretty young? 14. Okay. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 15 would be young, 14's pretty young, 13's... I feel like what, most people... In my in my comings and goings, most people have been between like sixteen and twenty two, uh, would be like the average. Twenty two obviously being on the later side and sixteen being on the, a bit of the early. But I was fourteen. But for a guy, fourteen is young. Yeah. For a woman, fourteen's young too. But for a guy, that's young because generally, oh, yeah. like a seventeen year old guy might be sleeping with a fifteen or sixteen year old. I think there's always just like a a two year buffer, just with like. The girls your age, it's and it's not like you wouldn't sleep with the girls your age. It's just that generally there's older guys that are just a, a year more developed, more charm, more whatever. Well, so that's impressive that you are meeting girls older than you. Well, here's I was a grown man at 13. Uh, <laughs> at, when I was 13 years old, I started paving roads for work, like for my dad. Like that's with 40 year old men. Plus, like, your your beard has I, I, there's no skin you can see through. That is the, the thickest beard I've ever seen. I'm so impressed by I, it. I remember one time said your beard looks like it's made out of asphalt, <laughs> and it's then there's nothing more accurate than that. But I was around grown men every summer from 13 until I started working there full time, and they would. You know, they're talking like grown construction workers. Yeah. So I have an idea of what I need to do with a woman. They're so, definitely <laughs> influencing you I in a way. Yeah, without it. They're giving me the playbook. Yeah, no, like, <laughs> Is it like the raunchiest advice? It, a lot of it was good advice. A lot of it was good advice. There was a lot of bad advice and a lot of disgusting advice. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, it was my dad's company. And uh, my dad is a very, like, I also look at my life like Tommy Boy. Like, ever, like, everybody loves my dad. My dad is bigger than life. If you deal with my dad, unless you owe him money, you love my dad. I don't know anyone that doesn't By the way, Tasha... Like we we're the same person so far. This my my dad's a, my stepdad's a uh, contractor, and I worked for him. So oh, I got, really? so I want to know more about this because I got some of my early sex advice from guys, and and the one advice I got from Rob uh, when I, we worked in the van together. So we'd always be like in an attic because we did air conditioning. So we'd be in an attic. He was introducing me to cassettes of Tupac, and because I didn't have an older brother or any or I didn't you know. So and he he told me the, the I'll never forget. He goes. 
you never know what a chick will do unless you ask. <laughs> and I'm like, that's the most efficient advice you could ever give somebody. And it's so and true when it right. comes to like, you never, hey, you want to fuck? If I just asked, hey, you want to fuck? I would have gotten laid three or four years earlier than I did. But I was And like, you would have had consent. Yeah. <laughs> like that is. How, how woke was he? Like, you just got to ask. You got to ask permission. It's like, well, wow. that's the other thing. Construction workers are never trying to get a rap. So they know, they know the rules. They are, they're getting consent. But, but there is something about the blue collar construction, working on roofs, painting, all those construction jobs you're doing like the bear like you're 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 basically all like passing time by having these conversations with other guys mm. you're sharing stories you're doing work that's like not not like soup i mean it's like it's a, it's a mechanical job so you're doing work and you're just talking about you know the past or whatever so that's great that you were able to have like older guys kind of tell you what's up well yeah and like my brother is six years older than me and he works for my dad he still works for my dad uh but i was my dad's youngest. I was the baby. So everybody in the company, like I was, and I'm like a genuinely happy guy. Like it takes a lot for me to stay mad, excuse me, for more than an hour at a time because I'm just a happy guy. So people wanted to get me fucked up. People wanted to get me laid. People wanted to be around me because I was a good time. And I also looked like I was 22, so you didn't think you were hanging out with a 13-year-old. You know what I mean? But uh, <laughs> they, I learned a lot of stuff. And like, it, it wasn't like my dad is, his business right now is very professional and very well run. I remember days when he's, when he started, he started with three people. It was him, his best friend, Tommy Farocco, and my aunt Jennifer was driving a dump truck. And that's how he started his business. And now it's to 33, 35 people. Wow. It's a, it's, he does well. But I remember like working with scumbags because that's <laughs> all he could afford. It's people that might have a record. You don't, you don't check their record when you're Real live them. gypsies. Everyone's got Have a... you ever met a real life gypsy? <laughs> no. Oh. I've watched the reality shows. <laughs> oh, these people. Oh, they are real and they are tricky. And they have their own language. They will steal your shoes. You gotta write your sharpie them. on everything that's yours. <laughs> yeah. On every screwdriver is your full name, or else it's gone. They, it's gone. They taught me great ways to work out without having a gym. The gypsies work out like if you can take a wheelbarrow, right, and you flip it over so the handles are on top. If you can take that wheelbarrow and raise it upright and hold it straight up, you are one of the strongest people I've ever met in my life. It takes a lot to do that. <laughs> if you can balance a shovel on both shoulders and do squats, you are uh, coordinated and, again, very strong. You could strong. sell some of this gypsy workout <laughs> advice. I, I've worked with a lot of gypsies. They're all bad people, in my opinion. Uh, they, but yeah, you're right. The hardest they, job in the world is that is that like whoever's hiring you, whether it's your dad or whoever, they you know you you're, people are getting close to the minimum wage level. It's not a high-skilled job, and it's hard work, and uh, anyone with like a degree or something is just not going to want to do that bullshit. Well, that, well, that's the thing. It's it's almost looked down upon these days to be a manual labor, to go to a trade school it, because everybody goes to college. I think it's making a resurgence though, to be honest. I yeah. feel like it's getting more and more popular because, well, because people want to avoid student debt. They don't want to spend the next two to four years getting in crippling amounts of debt and they would rather just 
work, learn a trade and start working immediately and making money because a lot of those jobs are super high paid. Yeah, a lot of those jobs, you especially if you get a union job, you're making yeah. sixty to ninety thousand a year uh, with health benefits and everything like that. But at a certain point, when I was working there, you could tell like it was a struggle. Plus, like that when I started there was right before the recession so it was like a real struggle there and like you had real salt of the earth people that are like living in trailers paycheck to paycheck isn't even covering it and so like i i was really lucky where i got to see my dad go from dirt poor to very successful and i got to live both of those lifestyles so i I think i have a good balance on how things work but working with those guys really gives you an appreciation for living in los angeles to oh even, my gosh yeah, to be able to do comedy in a podcast Isn't it funny and like, we complain about certain things which naturally you're gonna complain you're gonna, and then you remember like i used to get insulation on me at in 140 degree attics and it would it, while i'm sweating and you would just get stuck to like the walls you know what yeah. I mean? like, or like you, you said you worked at like uh paving roads mm-hmm. i mean that's how hot is that you know what i mean asphalt when it hits when it hits out of the dump truck, is probably 350 degrees. And then when it comes out of the silo, probably about 410. Plus 95% humidity. You're oh, working yeah. outdoors. I mean, it's like... So yeah. 14, 15, 16 hour days. I yeah. mean, I... That's the thing. Like, we... if I would love to grow... To raise a kid. Not that we have any plans to, but like where the kid's got to shovel the driveway and do some fucking shit that oh, actually yeah. like, sh- like gets their hands dirty. There's no and- way my kid isn't doing that. <laughs> and, and this is honest because like if it wasn't for that if my dad he could have let me scoop ice cream you know he he could have let me go work at a deli or stop and chop whatever i worked at uber creamer so be careful i was i did scoop ice cream (laughs) but 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 you clearly you do so much dave you you literally are are doing youtube videos and shows and pot you know what i mean like you clearly have the drive but yeah you're right you You, learn that from working from getting up at 6 a.m where you're like we were talking about this what what before the podcast tasha but when we were walking up how like like we could run a marathon tomorrow but we're gonna pay for it for like three weeks or Oh, yeah. Like, like, but like getting up and doing these blue collar jobs at 6 a.m., you're like, fuck, your body doesn't even move. Mm. And then you're just going to do it. And it's great to have that experience when we're here pretending like, and don't get me wrong, creatively, no amount of paving the road is going to make you write better jokes, but it teaches you that like work ethic. Work ethic. Yeah. Not only work ethic, but I need to get out of here. <laughs> I need, like, I. I could pave roads the rest of my life with my dad and my brother and be completely happy and live a great life. I want more. I don't want to break my back. I don't want my kids to have to break their back, you know? So how did you get from that to here? Like, what was the route from paving roads to stand-up comedy in Los Angeles? So uh, I did go to college for a couple years. I went to Franklin Pierce University. I was eventually asked very politely to leave. <laughs> um, I uh, I was arrested for inciting a riot. Later found <laughs> not guilty. Oh uh, my! What was the cause of the riot? What were we inciting? Was it a Red uh, Sox playoff game? <laughs> Had to be a Red Sox playoff game. Uh, I don't know about you guys. Uh, my college used to do this thing. Uh, it was called Spring Weekend. I'm, I think a lot of colleges do it. It was the last weekend before finals. And basically, they closed down all the roads in the school. It was a very small liberal arts school in New Hampshire. It was, only, it was less people that went there than went to my high school. It was only about like a 1,000, 1,100 people that went there. And they'd shut down all the roads. 
and there are 26 senior housing townhouses. And all 26 townhouses would pick a country and make a alcoholic drink from that country and put it in a kiddie pool. Around the world, we called it. Yes, around the world. And, hey. and you would just <laughs> and you would just party for the whole weekend. Well, and give then, us some examples. What's a country? What's what? What are we making? Uh, you know, like Italy would just be like a pool of wine, just okay. like Carlo Rossi wine, and uh, some Caribbean you, stuff. You'd have some right. Uh, you, you there's a lot of like uh, vodka, uh, Russia. If you're right, white Russian, <laughs> <laughs> just uh, red drink. That's essentially uh, essentially by the I don't know tenth shot. You don't even know what by you're the way, drinking. Statistically, there's someone listening who just got sober and they're fucking <laughs> getting the shakes right now, <laughs> dying to go to you know a college around the world party (laughs) yeah so honestly it sounds like a lot of germs tasha never got to live this this side of college and i think she looks at it like you know like like she's at a museum like looking in at the barbarians but i think (laughs) this is well you are right you're you are completely right it is a ton of germs but on the other side, it was way more fun than the downfall of germs. Dude, I can we'll deal sur- with the cold. We're going to survive coronavirus from all the beer bongs we share. Easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? I knew someone that got, uh, what's that, athlete's foot in their throat from a shoot the boot out of a literal boot. Uh, Yuck. I've, I've yeah, shot the boot rug- out of a literal boot. That's a rugby thing, right? Yeah. Uh, it was the That was the grossest thing I've ever done in my life. Was it your own boot? No. Uh, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> it was this dude, uh, Scottish Tom's boot. Uh, <laughs> like- yeah, Scottish Tom was about 6'4 and probably showered mm, twice a week. Like, it was not great. And also, on our team, when you... Uh, just shoot the boot was after you scored your first try. I had two tries my first game, so it was already very exciting. But anyone that assists you in your score gets to spit in the boot. So, uh, yeah, so not only is there spit there, but the boot gets passed around to every teammate and they pour whatever drink yeah, they have. Yeah, for sure, yeah. And uh, then the captains, so this is the grossest part. Uh, and I hate to say this because I know somebody in my family is going to listen to they this stick and their judge balls, me. They stick their balls in uh, there? There are a couple pubes in there that I found <laughs> out. And uh, I, it was... Uh, and the whole time, though, because you're so jacked up because there's 30 guys on a rugby team and the whole time you're about to do this, they're chanting this thing. It's, hoorah, to shoot that boot. Hoorah. And it's just a tribal, just like... Just, uh, uh, yeah, you're doing yeah, like the haka. Yeah, 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 I'm, yeah, I'm ready to shoot the boot. I'm you, so you, you feel like a caveman. You're just like, I am unstoppable. And then you, uh, the trick is, uh, for any young rugby players out there, <laughs> just tip the boot over your face and let as much of it drip oh, out the good. sides as you can yeah. and then throw it up in the tr- trash can <laughs> immediately after. Uh, that's the trick. Uh, that <laughs> is, the more you know. Yeah, that was the grossest thing I've ever done in my life, though. But So back to inciting riots. Yes. So, you, so, you had uh, the, you had a, so that spring was... Spring weekend. Yeah, so that is the stage. Everybody is extremely... Hammered. Hammered and New Hampshire, there is a lot of cocaine. There's a lot of psychedelics. There's a lot of drugs there. Plus, also, uh, when you get hammered in the South, they just drink all the time. They've got bow ties on. They're debutantes. We're talking about like lighting couches on fire. Yeah, this is like you know riding riding uh you know lazy boys down the stairs. Like there's a lot of uh, hooliganism happening in th- New England. This is especially because it's a uh, maybe two weeks after the snow melts. Yeah. So people are just getting out of their houses, <laughs> you know? And, uh, 
you know, I had had this, so my ex-girlfriend now, uh, we were dating, and these guys that lived below her really, like, wanted, we're trying, you know, like, kindergarten flirting with that, with her and her roommates, and, but, like, at one point, they threw their couch out of a second story window. Told you, Tasha. Yeah. This, Always couches. Couches gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Couches are going on spring uh, weekend. They like threw... Who pays for these couches that just fly out a window? This, well, is, a, this is a Boston... That's, um, that's what... This is a Boston Marie Kondo. It's like, it doesn't bring you joy? Light it on fire and throw it out the fucking window. <laughs> well, this is how you uh, pay for the couch. You incite a riot. Uh, um, <laughs> they would like... Anyways, they did a bunch of stuff and I was pretty fed up with it. And mind you, I... In college, and again, I always, I hate saying this stuff because it sounds like I'm like flexing, but I had an actual army of people that would have murdered someone for me. Of like, course. Like I'm talking 70 to 80 people that went to that school would have went to jail for me. It, so like I was pretty confident. So spring weekend happens. One of my friends gets into a one-on-one fight. There's nothing to do with me until he is on top of this kid and he's really beating him down. And I go to pull him off. The kid he's beating up, his friends think I'm getting in on the fight. They're also the kids that were messing with my girlfriend and her roommates. So I was like, okay, well, this is going to happen. And I had my friend from Worcester there. And uh, I called over my shoulder. I said, Corey, because I knew what was about to happen. And I turned around, and before I could even do anything, Corey jumped over my shoulder and Superman punched this kid in the face. And Superman punched him. He jumped, he pushed himself over, and just <laughs> Superman punched this kid, Alice Cooper, in the face. Uh, I don't know where, I have no problem with Alice. I'm really sorry you got knocked out that day. Yeah, statue of limitations. But, uh, I think you're good, Alice, right? Yeah, yeah, subscribe yeah. to the uh, podcast. Honestly, Alice probably could, Alice was a big guy. He could, could probably murder me. Uh, but technically, a Superman punch, when, leaving the ground is not good for your actual power of the punch. It looks good, but yeah, it, it probably would have been better to be on the ground and punch him, you, you know, use some hips. It worked. That's all <laughs> I know. And Alice went down, and I turned around, and I like... Like, chest bump Corey, and I was like, that was fucking epic, dude. And then we turned around, and there were 60 people ready to fight us. And we were getting backed up, because it's just two of us, so we're, like, backing up. Trying to order an and Uber. Then, <laughs> yeah, they separate us. The, the mob had a mind, and they separated us, so, like, it was, like, 30 on one, and then 30 on one. And people were just, like, running by and, like, punching me in the head, and then, like, another Why? person. Why? Why are all these people? Cocaine. Alcohol. Spring weekend. New Hampshire. Did they think that you guys instigated Live or die. Well, that's the thing. That uh, these other four, these other kids that wanted, that I already had a problem with, instigated it, and then their friends are obviously going to have their back. It's very primal at that point. Did you have fraternities? Uh, No. No, no, no. Our school is too small In our fraternities, it was close to like the mutually assured destruction like if you wanted to pick a fight with another fraternity guys i mean guys had shotguns you yeah. know what i mean like really really did they had guns they had trucks they would show up to each other's place like it stopped a lot of bullshit from happening there'd still be quarrels within fraternities but like there would be like it would be really tense and then and then the house gets kicked out you know and of course i'm sure that's what you know so 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 that was the riot well no uh so what happened was uh I'm gonna. This is a 20 minute story. I have this worked out. I'm not gonna do the whole thing. Uh, What happened was I eventually got dragged out. My friend showed up, and it all hell broke loose. And I got dragged out. 
to like a, a separate area where nothing was happening. And the campus police came up to me and they were like, we saw you start this fight. We're going to take you down. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Look at what's going on. And they turn around and it is absolutely like car windows being smashed, like people's houses being broken into. Like it was just chaos. And then Ellis, the kid that originally got knocked out, stands up for the first time. And I see my friend, Jamaica, Nick Rodriguez, comes out of nowhere, knocks Ellis out again, looks around, and then just takes off. And it was complete mayhem. And I was like, why are you spending your time with me? Like, go fix this. And the cops took off. And I was like, I'm fucking out of here, dude. So I, I went, and I was trying to get to the other side of campus, but they caught me. And they caught me, and they trapped me and Corey between townhouses in the woods. And then it was just on the other two sides were people, and they were throwing glass bottles. And at this point, this has been going on for like two hours. And uh, like, I'm cut up. Corey's cut up. Like Some good cocaine they've got here. <laughs> two hours later, they're yeah, still throwing bottles. It, it, was, it was absolute mayhem. And then finally, the cops show up, and uh, they take us out. Mind you, the whole time, I'm in a tuxedo tank top. <laughs> <laughs> tuxedo tank top. And uh, they arrest me. Go to jail. But, uh, oh, before they arrest me, they go, uh, you can't come back to New Hampshire until your trial date. You can't come back to school. You can't be on the premises. And wow. I was like, I was like, fine, whatever. I'm just happy to not be having bottles thrown at me, you know? And I was like, but I came here with my friend Casey Green. My friend Casey Green was here. I can't leave without him. I have to bring him home. And the cop flips open his notebook and he goes, oh, Casey Green? Yeah, we caught that kid a couple hours ago. And I was like, what? <laughs> and they were like, uh, yeah, he was drinking vodka vodka and NyQuil and he passed out in the girls' softball field. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's weird. And they were like, during a game. And I was like, that's, so that's the kind of thing that happened. Uh, that's poor campus police. Yeah, were they real cops or were they like no, rent to cops? No, they were rent to cops and they deserved so, everything they got. Let me tell you. That's, wow. I mean, and then the, the late, the ladies in these situations, it's interesting because were, was your girlfriend with you at the time? Are they trying no. to help you out or is it just like every guy my, for his own? My girlfriend, uh, she showed up as the cops got there. She was like getting food and not being, uh, you know, degenerate and drinking, you know, the whole day without eating. And then uh, <laughs> she she got there as the cops showed up. And then she uh, she and my friend Noah were the ones that bailed me out. But uh, actually, at one point, uh, this girl, Jocelyn Leone, uh, I'll never forget her. I've never said a word to her in her life. But uh, in my life, but she saved my friend Corey's life because at that point where they had separated us to one on 30, Corey got hit and he went down and they were going to stomp him out. And she dove on top of him and put her body in harm's way. And she does not know Corey and was like, back off, leave this kid alone. And she seriously saved him from at least getting his face fractured, if not serious Jeez. brain damage. Yeah. Girls in riots there are two kinds of them there are the girls that are saving people and then there are girls that are breaking <laughs> bottles and ready to fucking yeah there's you. the girls that are like get him timmy they're yeah. like trying to oh you're not gonna let him push you around like yeah. that and then, but and then there's all, that, that shrieky like 
Well, they're all they're all New England girls, so they're like, "Colin, get him! Colin, Colin, get him!" And then Colin gets knocked out, and they're like, "Bitch, I'm doing this! Bitch, I am doing this!" And they have no problem because they have nine brothers themselves. You know what I mean? And yeah. they they know how to fucking fight. And uh, so that was it. They're you're out of college. That's it. Yeah. Well, they. Um, well, I went to trial, uh, and I pled not guilty. Cause Did you, you wear your tuxedo shirt to trial? Did you dress up for this? <laughs> no, uh, I uh, I was in a shirt and tie, and uh, I met with the DA before the arraignment, and I was like, she was like, well, they say, and I was only twenty at the time, so they got me for underage drinking, they got me for the riot, and then uh, school damages, and uh, I was like. 21 by the time the trial started like my birthday had just happened so they dropped the underage drinking charge and then she was like so the school damage in the riot and i was like you have a no proof that i started this how can you how can you say this is me it was a little bit but (laughs) but you can't like you can't put the fault of I honestly, 200 people doing $7,000 worth of damage. You can't put that on one person. Right. And that's what I explained to her. And she goes, uh, well, why, why were you getting bottles thrown at you? And I was like, cause they wanted to fuck my girlfriend. That's why I like, this is, it was all about these guys wanting to have sex with my girlfriend, me not allowing them. And then it escalated. And she was like, all me right, not they're... allowing them. What a gen- Boston gentleman. I wasn't allowing them to fuck my lady. I'm not, uh, well, she did her part too. I, I should say, but, uh, yeah, man. And like, I look back on it and it's sad because obviously I, I wish I finished college, but in all reality, I'm way happier with my life now. That's a great way to exit college. Yeah. That's yeah. a oh, really yeah. great way. Oh, yeah. There, uh, there are very few people that have gone out grace- more gracefully than that. You know? So this is probably still, what, years before you started stand-up? Uh, about a year. Well, okay, so then what got you on stage? What, so what I got kicked out of college. Uh, my really good friend was just like a, a really big drug addict. Uh, and his life was crazy. My mom was in rehab. What kind of drugs? Like Oxy? Oxy's like heroin. New England was that hard, like yeah. hard shit. Yeah, everyone yeah. was ODing. Uh, Still is. He was like on heroin. My mom was in rehab. My parents were getting divorced. I got kicked out of college. My cousin, who was really like my brother, his dad passed away from cancer, and I had just... I didn't know what else to say. I, I felt like I couldn't move. And I'm looking around, and everyone in my life was just so sad. And I was like, what can I do? You know, like, what can I do? And I had always known I liked stand-up comedy, but I really just started watching it to start laughing. And I watch a lot of Ron White, and I was like, I fucking love Ron White. I love the way that guy can tell a story. And I was like, "This maybe this is something I should try. And winter came, and... Uh, we snow plowed in the winter. So we'd pave roads spring, summer, fall, and we'd snow plow in the winter. But you get laid off because when it doesn't snow, you just don't work because uh, it's too cold to pave. And my dad was like, well, what are you going to do with your time off? And I was like, I'm going to try stand-up comedy. And I went to the hideout in Faneuil Hall in Boston. Oh, yeah. We went there, Tasha. Remember that place? Yeah. I, th- I, don't th- I think they shut down recently. Uh, I don't know. Is that, it's Faneuil Hall. You go downstairs. Yeah. Nice little like, carpet thing area. I don't... I know... Maybe that was just just that show that shut down. 
I know that they well, like they re- renovated the venue and because uh, Chris Nakis ran that room when I started and then it was given to Sam Ike. Right, that's who I knew. Was yeah, Sam's a great guy. Uh, and then Jack was running it for a bit. I, so I really so have lost they, track. Did they of have it. an open mic there? I think they still do there. No, I did an open mic and I bit the bullet. And uh, I talked about this time I went to San Antonio. I told a story about this time I went to San Antonio. And uh, it was a really crazy story that involves the Alamo and blacking out. And uh, (laughs) I I had told the story and I had no punchlines. I had no timing. I had no... It's probably great for an open mic. I feel like punchlines bomb at open mics. Oh, yeah, definitely. You're better off telling a fun story. And it was a very Boston open mic where half the room was comics and half the guys were at the bar watching the game. Yeah. So, uh, but... The story got everyone's attention, and it got a couple laughs, and then, you know, uh, being a green kid, I sat down after my five minutes and watched the rest of this three-hour open mic (laughs) because I was a nice person, and then people came up to me after, and they were like, how long have you been doing this? And I was like, today. (laughs) And they were like, dude, that was like, that was pretty good, and I, I, I don't know, you get that feeling. You know, you just get that feeling. And then literally the next night I went and did another one and I haven't looked back. And I did that for like a year there. And I just, uh, I had to leave, dude. I had to leave Massachusetts because it was becoming heroin town. It was because all my friends were either leaving or they were sad and becoming drug addicts. And I I didn't want that and I didn't need that. So uh, I really just leaned into stand up and I moved out here. Girlfriend came with me. Did she come out with you when you when you moved here, or did you like say like I'm gonna go test the waters and then she came out? I came here and got an apartment. She was the plan was always for her to come, but then she came out uh, like I think like a month or two after she had secured a job here, and then she moved out. So I was really only here maybe like six weeks before uh, she came out. And uh, yeah, we uh, we just split up this past November, but uh, yeah, we came out here and I really just leaned into stand up because of all that stuff, and it's saved my life. I really think it has because otherwise I might have fallen into a heroin trap. Like that is such a common thing in New England. It's disgusting. It's a beautiful thing what a creative passion can like inspire in you you see a completely bigger picture Mm -hmm. Uh, you go from i was paving roads everything in my life was failing i'm working 16 hour days running a jackhammer 90 degree weather and then you do comedy and you get that first laugh and you just like get a blast into your future and you're like, oh, it doesn't have to be like this. It's like getting a, it's like a drug that's not bad for your body because right. you're you're getting the high from something you created versus something you're putting into your body. It can definitely be bad for your mental. Yeah. <laughs> On can, the days when you bomb, yeah, or when or or ruminate over other people's successes. There's a million ways it can destroy host, you. But I host 21 hours of open mics a week. It can destroy you. Let me tell you, <laughs> that is way too much comedy. I, uh, I'm actually going to talk to the boss and drop a day. But uh, it can destroy you mentally. But if you do it right and you do it with enough balance, it can be the most beautiful thing. That's anyway. a struggle that we have because I'm always saying, you know, wanting to work harder. And then Tasha's is always like, we're, we need to go on vacation. And not mm. even vacation. Like we're trying to do more travel uh, in, you know, uh, 
photo shoots, vlogs, this and that, which is great. Like, I want I want to do that. And so we've had to have these really, and we had a really nice talk this week where I, I had to be like, look, I don't not want to do these things, but I've got this thing inside of me that's telling me to run faster all day long. Yeah. Like I'm excited to wake up before she does and I'll like not open the windows and I'll keep it dark just so I can like get some work done and get started <laughs> on my day because I because I'm just like fucking nuts like that and it doesn't always make you succeed any faster. And it's and it's good to know like sometimes you don't have to do 15 mics a week or 21 hours a week or whatever. It's sometimes no. it's nice to like to like take a little time away so you can like let that space grow like like let that space ruminate of like remembering why you loved it in the first place yeah without a doubt uh i tell people all the time because comics they they have we all have that ticking time bomb we need to be you have that thing if i'm not working i don't deserve to be here you know well yeah you're looking around you're seeing people pass you you know you've got to get your like ten thousand hours and like the only way you do that is by being out and working hard every night but there's at a at a certain point you you just drive yourself crazy and you're thinking about it too much you have to live your life you have to go out and enjoy other things and bill burr said this i think it was on theo vaughn's podcasting he's like that's why i got into flying helicopters because i always need to be doing something i i, I can't just focus on comedy because i'll go crazy because how many and times also where are you going to get inspiration for your exactly. comedy when you're just in the comedy club all the time exactly it just uh i think you need to have a balance i think obviously you need to have the drive but you need to have the balance because otherwise you're going to go crazy. It's, and- it's so funny because like, today we're, we went to the flower market in downtown and I was like, I'll go to the flower market. There might be a bit in there. There might be something about going to go buy some orchids downtown where some homeless guys throwing churros at everyone and we're trying to pick out an orchid. It's it's very interesting how you, you do things based on there's probably comedy in that, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, and uh, it's like, and it's like, you want to find the funny in any situation. So I went to not? a Fat Joe concert by myself once <laughs> because I thought that would I would get something out of it. Never written a bit about it, but you know, I try. But you know what's you funny? Have a good time. You, yeah, we don't. You're having fun. You're experiencing. We life. don't think of this too often, but like, there's a comic I'm thinking of from New England um, who who kind of like dropped off the face of the planet here and he was probably doing 10 to 15 mics a week and then all of a sudden I think he had like you know some suicidal thoughts and he went home to his family and he's got a drug problem and oh, it's I like yeah and you just about. forget that they exist it, because they, they ran really hard they didn't take care of themselves well, and then they're out. out so That's LA will do that LA will just take you you see them and then they get the fuck out and it's about like the longevity running the marathon of it all so being like like yeah. whatever it's with whatever you can do within that week or month to stay healthy You've got to find that work-life balance because you like there's no way to be productive and to be creative because you don't get that creative inspiration when you're burnt out. You have to be taking care of yourself. For me, that means like going to yoga or like stretching, going on a hike, hikes. getting enough sleep, eating right, like yeah. all that stuff is Letting really important. Letting me cook for you uh, French fries and chili. <laughs> you know, a lot of lot of Tasha's health it comes down to me cooking for her. That's what makes her happy. Now, now uh, our listeners know I'm not going to skirt over what you had mentioned. You went, you went from an eight-year relationship to single now. Yeah. So how did yeah, that? Yeah. How did that transpire? How are you de- dealing with it? What, what? Like, tell us all about that. So, and by the way, do you want a water or a diet coke or a tecate? I've got diet cokes and waters. I'll take a water. I'll take a water. Yeah. Um. So, my Brittany and I met in college. That was the riot girl. Uh, we met when we were nineteen. We started dating. 
when we were 20. No, we met when we were 20 and started dating a couple months after. Uh, we actually had the same birthday. Same day, same year. You got kicked uh, out of school for her, basically. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Yeah. She she did not tell me to uh, continue throwing Honey, punches. I was just yeah. <laughs> uh, that getting kicked out of school though definitely put a strain immediately on my relationship with her parents, uh, and that was the first time. Like I said, when I was at St. John's, every parent that high school I went to every parent wanted me to date their daughter. And that was the first, this was the first relationship where the parents did not approve of me and uh, actually actively disliked me. Uh, but Which, by the way, must be horrible for you because you come from a family where everyone's trying to be loved and be a part of a community. And, without and a doubt. you've lost their approval over... Especially because of how much my family accepted and loved Brittany. That was, it was a really hard struggle for me. And it, also, she doesn't come from a small family she's the oldest of seven uh so they're a big family and they're a close tight-knit group uh so i didn't if it was always very weird when i was around her parents because i didn't i felt like i was walking on eggshells outside of her parents our relationship for six and a half years was great uh ups and downs i had each other's backs but uh we moved out here. When we moved out here, it was the first time we were going to live with each other. And uh, for those listening at home, I highly recommend uh, you don't move 3,000 miles away from everyone you know and uh, live with somebody for the first time because it, it you don't know things. And it's like they say, don't move in with your best and friend. And it's going to be a challenging transition no matter what, just moving from your hometown right. Yeah, I never thought about this aspect of it, away. where you take away this common denominator of your, you know, I mean, it's hard enough to move across the country under any circumstance, but then right. are, are you guys leaning on each other? I mean, it, it must be, uh, the positive would be that you guys can share this experience together, because it can be a hard city to move to. Yeah, and without a doubt. And uh, I... We were leaning on each other, but we found out relatively quickly quickly that we wanted to live different lifestyles. Uh, I, like, she, I never want to say anything bad about her. I don't have one bad word to say about her as a person. Uh, But for me, her cleaning regimen was way was very like military esque, and I, and I'm not like if I had dinner and then you know you rinse your plate off, you leave it in the sink, you watch TV for an hour, and then you you clean it off, you put it in the drying rack. That's how I grew up. If it was sitting in the sink, I was getting out at least a dirty look, if not a silent treatment or a a large sigh. You know those like passive aggressive moves where you're not even expressing your feelings but you're letting yourself known but you're never taught we never talked about it in our but you're just building bitterness you're bu- you're calcifying this resentment yeah and that was a big problem for us was communication and the i think the other biggest problem was money because she has a very good job uh she works for one of the, it's like the top three architecture firms in america uh as an associate uh on their graphic designs uh team she has a very good job makes a great deal of money i am a host at fourth wall you know (laughs) know? and like i like living that comic lifestyle i like 
I kind of like the excitement of, I don't know what's coming next. I don't know where I'm getting my money. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I like that. I like... You're basically putting stock into a company that doesn't exist yet, which is your touring career. You're, yeah. you're putting stock into a DVD or you're going to sell or your merchandise or your podcast, all of these things that, that you're, you're actively working on that no one else gets to know about. Yeah. You can tell them about it. You can whatever, but no one gets to know about it till you do it. No one's truly going to believe in you uh, on your level until you cash in. Right. And I think between the lack of communication, my lack of money and willingness to go get a nine to five job really put a strain. And then uh, her car that I was using to drive Lyft for got totaled. Uh, so that was, we were already having communication issues and then money issues and then the car got totaled. So now there was a big strain. And when the car got totaled, I kind of felt like, oh, this, I think she's out. Like I could see it in her eyes. You could feel it in her actions. You could read it in her voice. And then after that, her grandfather got really sick, her stepmom's dad, and he passed away. And she went home, and then she came back, and the day after she came back, she goes, hey, I signed a lease on a new place where this is, this is it. And uh, that rocked me, because A, we had had conversations, and the whole thing was, we need, I was bad at money, she was bad at communicating. I wanted to talk things out. She didn't know how to vocalize what was going on with her. Uh, and she kept saying, work's really busy. Can I talk about it after this project? Can I talk about it after this project? And then she went home. And I think, and I have no way of knowing this, I think her parents had a lot to do with this breakup. Yeah. Because she came back, and there we, we never had got to have that discussion, which is, what I think I resent the most out of this is I never got my chance to save this. You know, I never got that chance. You just came home, signed a lease. Bro, we are so similar. To, I mean, I am so similar to you with this, like wanting to talk things out and wanting to save things. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe it's good that she didn't give you that chance. Maybe, I mean, I, I can understand your feeling, but maybe it's good yeah. that, that she kind of just was like, I got to pull a cord on this. But like, don't, but, you know, like, she, or maybe she just went home and it had nothing to do with her parents and she just got some outside perspective. You know, it's hard to see a total picture when you're in the middle of it all. Yeah. Without you know? a doubt. We've uh, had, we've had this, Tasha and I have had very similar situations where we've come close to breaking up or Tasha's dumped me and I, and I was like, what are we doing? No, no. You know, like I feel like over, like we've had this talk where I've got to sell her on what I'm doing is going to provide us way more than some job I'm going to hate every day. But that doesn't always, you know, you, you can try your best at communicating. And it doesn't mean they don't believe you. I mean, they're just, some people are wired in a different way where if they don't see that you're actively putting money away. And we've had this talk where right. like I started, um, you know, a retirement account and like things I would have never considered doing because I'm so hyper-focused on the short-term goals. But in but order to help the relationship, I'm, I go, okay, I can still work on my short-term goals, but I can, I can slow down 
some of my obsessiveness and focus more on us and water different plants and that and you can't do that with every relationship right. like we had a very hard time tasha right like you had especially a especially hard- in the beginning we had a really hard time communicating and i think the only reason our relationship ended up successful is because we, we were we really focused on breaking down those barriers i mm. do not come from a communicative family at all i was raised on the silent treatment mm. like that's just how my family Bro. they don't <laughs> they don't talk about their problems they don't address things they wait until you know it's the straw that broke the camel's back and there's a huge blow up and you never you know it's it was honestly yeah. a really traumatizing way to grow up and i think yeah, oh yeah. because i lived that experience i but i I'm, knew that i i wanted to do better for myself and my future and my relationship but he really had to press me i'm anthony had, i'm anthony in this he had to i've had to talk me. to you and like let you let you go nuts i still but do it, you know it's really it's a two-way street that we both you wanted the relationship to be successful but I knew that some of my behaviors were going to have to change communication being one. And you knew that some of your things were going to have to change too. And it was that compromise that helped us. I mean, we could like, I I need him to be contributing to a retirement count. Sure. I want to believe that like the podcast pays off. Advertisers (laughs) are sending us money. Well, I got that because she's she's making her money doing well with, with modeling. And and I had the stand up bit about, about how like, like uh, the longer she, the longer I do stand up, the funnier I get. The longer she models, eh, you know. Like, it's a, <laughs> but, it's a, it's a, but I, I'm, you know, one of the things that uh, is most attractive to me in a relationship is a sense of security yeah. and a sense that my man will be a provider. And so that's been like a something oh, we that our, we definitely had to overcome. Uh, we have our friends like Cherub and Mark. He's like a successful screenwriter. They have a beautiful home. And Sammy Michael, he's a lawyer. I mean, it's fucking tough man but like you gotta really and for people listening you gotta really look at yourself in the mirror at the end of the night and know like whatever you're trying to do you work as hard as you can to do that and if the person you're with now can't see that the next person will like you you might be tomorrow you, you start right working on a show or something that gives you this validation that others can see but in the meantime you're all you're all underneath that water that iceberg shit you're putting that all together right now yeah. and then uh, and then it cashes in and it cashes in on a crazy level because you're not building the equity in somebody else's company you're building it in your own yeah i um Here's a lot was just said. I I have some bullet points in my head. (laughs) Uh, I think you're both... When you said you both knew you had to compromise, that is, it's not just one person compromising. It has to be both. I don't think either of us were willing to compromise on what needed to be compromised. Uh, That being said, Everything that she at the end pointed out that was wrong with me, she was completely right. And at the end of the day, when you're broken up with after eight years, you need to look yourself in the mirror. Uh, In the last four months, my life has drastically changed in the fact that I'm saving money. I uh, I have a bed frame. <laughs> you know, uh, hey, for a comic, that's like a white picket fence. <laughs> being an adult is, uh, is. You're still so young too. Yeah, uh, that's. I started uh, dating her when I was your age, so like I was I was fucking you know living on futons or try you know whatever. But I mean, the time flies. It really does, and there's no better time than now to start working on yourself well that's the other thing i have two things to focus on in my life now is myself and comedy i don't have the craziness of this strain of a relationship and 
I, I, when I say a strain of relationship, I still love her. I, I think I, I don't think there'll ever be a time in my life where I don't. Uh, it just was too. I think you got people change over eight years. You know, when we met, we were twenty. Where you're almost, a different person. I uh, mean, physically, you do not have the same chemistry that and you were. Like, on you're a different your life human. is your life on the same trajectory. Sometimes people grow together sometimes they're you know ships passing in the night and sometimes they grow apart exactly uh and you have to look yourself and you have to give it in a it's the same thing with comedy to be successful in comedy you have to give an honest assessment of yourself and if you're not if you go and you bomb and then you get off stage and you're like i fucking crushed that you know you're never gonna you're be a sociopath yeah 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 you're gonna <laughs> nailed be, it <laughs> you're gonna be stuck in dark bars the rest of your life paying five dollars to do comedy and it's the same thing in a relationship if you look yourself in the mirror and you are uh a out of shape b never do the dishes c late on rent uh d clothes on the floor and you're like damn i am a good boyfriend because you put the toilet seat down after you took a piss you're not being honest with yourself yeah. and you need to look at yourself in the mirror and that was one really obviously big takeaway from this breakup for me was okay i obviously have huge holes in a re and like the other thing is i want a family i can't wait to have four thousand kids like i really am so family oriented dude one with and my then, wife 19 with <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh exactly and if tech, if uh science advances the way that we do i'll live until i'm 200 and i can just keep pumping puppies out but uh i uh hey you won't even do a bringer show you'll just yeah. have a full family audience <laughs> netflix you comes to my house we'll set it up uh but yeah man and like you look especially because like 20 i think for me anyways and obviously i'm really close like looking close i don't have a perspective where i can see the whole picture but at tw past 27 28 when you start creeping to 30 you start thinking about that family and that bigger picture as not career-wise a lot more than you did when you were 24 and you were just like, I'm going to only do my career and that's the only thing that matters and everybody else can go to hell, you know? So now I'm worried. Like now I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm behind the ball, you know? Like I have these holes. I was uh, yeah, just having to deal with the heartbreak of this relationship and only have been in, being in two relationships in my whole life because this was eight years and i dated one girl in high school for about a year and a half and those were the only two real relationships well how do you come you know because you, you got into stand-up when you were at a low how do you how did you start doing stand-up post breakup because that's got to be an incredible hard situation crushing it uh no <laughs> uh, uh honest assessment uh, you do get a good laugh from the audience when you die broke up after eight years ago. <laughs> right, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a laugh yeah uh i you know I hit up Joe Menente because I was doing twos. I was hosting Tuesdays, and I was like, "Dude." Also, the other thing is when we broke up, she had signed the lease, like I said. So I had 15 days to find an apartment and somewhere to live on a fourth wall host salary of an open mic host salary. So my my options were a storage unit or the couch of a 45 year old Mexican man. Like that was that's all I had. Uh, so I was really like just desperate for money. And I was like, Joe, give me as many hours as you can. And I started doing three days a week, doing 21 open mics. And I just buried myself in comedy. And since 
the breakup in November to today, I uh, I'm planning on doing my hour. So I've I've come up with about 25 in the last four months, three months, whatever it's been, and I'm gonna come up with the next, the last 35, and then I'm gonna record this in late July. But it just it opened avenues for me because <laughs> there's nothing holding me back, comedy wise. I can talk about everything in the relationship that I couldn't before because I'd have to go home and sit next to that person. But now you can be open about everything and you can be honest about everything. And honestly, when you're honest with yourself and you you know you have holes, there's so much funny in your holes. You know what I mean? And a lot of it comes out. And uh, I think comedy has really kept me even. Uh, it's been, dude, it's been tough. Uh, I can't imagine. I have two months after she broke up with me, my grandfather passed away. And that was... Sorry to hear that. That was really... I'm named after him. I was very close to my grandfather. Oh, you got that very funny bit about that. Did you hear that? Do you remember that one on the Moses show? Yeah, you have a very funny bit about going to a funeral of someone oh, that's yeah. got your same name. Yeah, yeah. yeah it that's great. daunting. Uh, the Patreon members came to the show. They got to hear it. So <laughs> yeah, you did the Moses show last week. Uh, that was a fun show. But it just... They, this is also interesting. I think comics are probably the only profession where when you face tragedy in your life, people are like, oh, must be great material. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. If anybody, if my friend John, who works at H&R Block, went through the same stuff I did, I would not be like, ha, I bet you're going to crush numbers this week, pal. <laughs> like, like, there is like almost a uh pressure to come up with stuff but as long as you keep that pressure out of it and when it, in comedy you just have to see the bigger picture and honest assessment and the funny's just gonna flow out and it's a great way to keep you from listening to the fray too often yeah. you know what i mean like you can get real sad after a breakup but if you're just in comedy clubs it can help a oh ton. man it's you've got a home to go to and just talk to peers and like you said it's about being authentic and honest and when you're authentic and honest on stage that's like your therapy i mean you're yep. you're able to say hey this is the shit that happened to me versus like sitting on your couch watching netflix eating ice cream all day yeah uh you know my one of my really really good friends passed away so that kid that was getting into drugs when i started stand-up ended up passing away a year after i started stand-up from a heroin overdose and i rocked my world it was the first i've been around a lot of death in my life that was the first death where i was just shook and i told my dad and i was like hey i'm gonna need the rest of the week off and he was like no <laughs> no you're coming to work because if you take the rest of the week off you're gonna go crazy and you could potentially kill yourself you're gonna come here you're gonna work your ass off and you're gonna take your mind off of it and the thing is when you are working and you are focused on say paving roads like i was in that week so much of your brain just it connects things, dude. Like, because you're not thinking about it, and it just pops in. That's the answer why this happened. That's a good dad you got there. That's some good shit. Saved my life. If it wasn't for my dad, I would be in a bad place. I I'll say that. I I got goosebumps hearing that, but it's so right about knowing knowing what your path is, what your journey is, and knowing that like the road 
continues. And it's so, what a metaphor that your job was paving roads. <laughs> and it's literally about you paving your road. Yeah. I sound so cheesy saying that, but you know what I mean? It's like you're literally, your, your job, and you, think, you, you need to like write a book on like paving roads because it's like, what's that <laughs> book like the Zen of uh, motorcycle repair? There's some book that's like <laughs> the Zen, the art of someone's listening going, you're, you're butchering it. But there's a book about, about restoring a motorcycle and it's like supposed, and it's just about like, like learning how to live your life. Yeah, and that's why stand up's a good a good um sort of um uh, through line about growing up and, and expressing yourself because it's so simple. It's a man on stage, women on stage, talking uh, and making light of the dark situations, and that's just what you can do along the journey is just be authentic about it. I think the uh, motorcycle book is good when you are going through it. And stand-up is good for right after it. Because when you're going through it, you need something to focus on and work on and build. Yeah, to take your mind off of like, you know, you can't just like wallow in your, for me, last week, anxiety. For you, your grief, your sadness. Mm. Like, And it's you- tough here in the studio because we don't have fucking shit to build. We can't go mow the lawn. I mean, we can do the dishes, but like we. But yeah, know. something else to focus on allows your subconscious to make those well, connections for you. Well, are you aware of Tasha? When your anxiety kicks in, are you aware of it to know I need to go? Uh, you know, yeah, vacuum absolutely. things like. Oh. No, absolutely, absolutely. Sometimes it doesn't always work. Yeah. I always wonder Sometimes this about. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But yeah. like, you can only try your best. Right. I remember when I was had it. There's different types of depression, right? And um, I'm not like I'm by no means clinically depressed, but I did have a depressant depression, and I don't know if it was called seasonal depression or what, but it was after a breakup, and I wasn't aware of what it was at the time. But in hindsight, it made so much sense. And I had lost like eight pounds that week because I mean I eat a lot of food. I'm a bit you know, and I was just sitting at home. I couldn't. It was the day I moved to New York City, and I and it, and it sounds stupid to say it was only a week long, but I couldn't fucking move, man. I couldn't. And my mom like called me and she was like, Dave, get out of bed and go eat something healthy and go like walk outside. And I, and I did, and I didn't feel better that moment, but I kept on just getting the fuck out of bed. And you do like I started people watching and I remember I had this sandwich at a um, panini place near Times Square in the Diamond District. So it was like in the 50s on the east side. And I just remember uh, passing through, I think, Times Square and like there was a street musician playing and it, it started to hit me again. And I started to get my like my like joie de vivre back. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll be fine. And, like, yeah, I got dumped. I got broken up with. This is stupid. I didn't get to have the conversation to like win her back. I didn't get any of this shit. She was like, oh, she saw me a week later. Oh, Dave, you look good. You lost weight. Yeah, depression. I got depressed. <laughs> yeah. I lost ten pounds real fast. It's like you're, it's like the universe's way of saying, "Well, I'll get you back into shape. You yeah. can go get laid now." <laughs> I lost thirty pounds after this wow. breakup, dude. Yeah, uh, and then my sister said, "We'll see if that keeps off when you become happy again." <laughs> uh, but happiness yeah. and, and weight is definitely a way of like you get happy in a relationship. You're like, oh, I don't need those six packs anymore. Yeah, is especially growing up with. Uh, food like east coast food and i'm sure kentucky food like southern kentucky food food's amazing. Fried like, like you when you have good food like you meet people out here that have never had a good meatball in their life and you know, like, <laughs> like, like you don't know what you're missing when you're sad my friend you know what I mean? but uh yeah when you're happy it is food everything tastes good but when you're sad only the worst foods for you taste 
good enough to be, be like, all right, I'll spend money. Tasha's, I'll, just, I'll do this. Tasha's happiness is directly related to the delivery menu of the closest Thai food place. <laughs> She'll get, and you don't, don't I love food. she'll literally oh, I if love you could food. if you could like have a barometer for for how you could get someone turned on it wouldn't be me crushing on stage at the fourth wall. It would be me bringing home a box of Thai food. You know when they serve you the box and when they're just like, it looks Nothing like you got fired from your job. On, like an excellent. She thing. goes, ooh, baby. She just throws the bra off. She does that move with that one arm and next to the bra comes through the shirt and she's and she's getting the 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 fork out and she's ready to go. And that's that's love, Tasha. That's love. But um, we got to get out of here in a second. We're already at almost an hour and a half. Um, wow. What? Uh, so this is this. I mean, I could probably talk to you all all day but uh, you'll have to come back and, and share more as uh as everything yeah, progresses. i got stories man i got stories but, so so just to recap we got you from b- paving roads to uh to getting a ride in college and then breaking up with your long-term girlfriend and yeah. um now you're now you're living the single life so how how has it been and then a positive hopefully maybe it's a positive maybe not but how has it been being single are you back in, into the dating world i mean it's been four what four months now yeah is it has, uh, it, has, it, has it has it sunk in that you're like Oh, it sinks. It, it sunk in. Uh, luckily, so it, like I said, I had to find a place to live, and uh, I had no options. And uh, I've stumbled into the best living situation I've had since I've lived here. Uh, my friends are very successful people here. Uh, have a guest house in West Hollywood. They're letting me rent that. My own Amazing. entrance, my own bathroom, and unit laundry, a kitchen for. Uh, under a thousand. Whoa, we gotta come by and party, ladies. Hey, we got some very attractive female listeners in Los Angeles. So, if, uh, ladies, let me know yeah. uh, if you like the beard. <laughs> let me hear. But uh, no, so I've been living there, and uh, it's right. Like I'm 500 feet from like the Guitar Center. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. I'm right off Sunset. Right on sunset there. there, yeah. Uh, so uh, nightlife for me is back. It. I don't know that I'm ready to necessarily date. Like, I don't, I need to work on me before I could tell anyone that they're my girlfriend. Now, would I go out on a date? Would I go have fun with somebody? Yeah, sure. I don't, I don't think I even want to consider that yet. I just, it takes some time. I haven't been single for eight years. I don't, I don't need commitment right yeah. now. I, it's I nice really to don't. Get to enjoy working on yourself because you are not allowed that luxury in a relationship. You you you're met with distractions all the time. I'm very happy doing comedy, living in West Hollywood, and going to see my nephew and my sister in San Diego on the weekends. Like I'm very happy with that. I don't want to date. I don't want to even hint at commitment because that would just be rude. Uh, that being said. Sooner than later, I will be back dating because, like I said, I am. I want the biggest family. Yeah. I just uh, but th- yeah. Like this is a great time for you to just get all like work as hard as you can, not without you know keeping your mental health and all that, but really focusing on you. And that way, it's almost my like foundation. It's almost like stocks, right? So like when the when if you want to you want to raise your stock to the highest level so that when a lady yeah. sees it, because it's law of attraction. So if like if you're attracting weirdos to your life, it's because you're, you're not you personally, but like yeah, people no. listen. Oh, why am I dating such a shitty person? You're probably a shitty human too. Listen, you know what I mean, you I attracted only, shittiness into you. I only have one. Four Fork, spoon, and knife right now. I'm in no shape to date anyone. That's uh, enough for Tasha. That's yeah. good for Tasha. I, uh, if I'm attracting the same kind of person, I'm in trouble. Uh, so I'm going to work on myself as much as I can. I, if you're going through a breakup out there, I highly recommend do not rush it. 
if you're a comedian and you're going through a breakup, do not talk about it on stage for at least a month. Like, yes. uh, that was one thing I learned instantly that I just audiences had... can feel it when you're like not ready to talk about it. Oh yeah, and uh, the, I have a couple bits about it now, but I still don't even want like it no needs, rush there. Yeah, yeah uh, it needs time, but it you just gotta honest assessment. That is. My theme of this podcast Wait. is have an honest assessment of yourself. And if it's not good, you can't overlook it. You can't say, well, I bring this so this can slack a little bit. No, dude, you got to be you got to be that even kill. You got to yeah. be you got to be firing on all cylinders. Well, like, I'm excited for you, man. I um, thanks, man. I was you know, whenever I hear of a guy who's recently single, I'm like, I kind of wax poetic. I'm like, oh, what this is, you know, no offense, Tasha. But like, I go I, for <laughs> it. I tweeted this or something the other day where I was like, I was like, bird scooters didn't exist when I was single and I would love a walk of shame on a bird scooter. <laughs> Imagine you just like wake up in some other part of town. You're in Culver City. And you're like, what the fuck? And you just find a lime scooter and you're whipping it home. You fucking don't know where your underwear is. You got crusty balls and you're just ready to, and you're just going home at 15 miles an hour. The wind's blowing through your hair. You're just happy. You stop at a diner. You get a breakfast sandwich by yourself. I miss those days. I can't. Yeah. I'm looking forward to those days. <laughs> I, I am definitely looking forward Call to those Call the podcast days. in Next time you're doing a walk of shame on a bird skin. Yeah. <laughs> How can people find you? What's the social media? What are you using? And um, share share any anything you want to promote. Uh, Ammo Comedy, uh, Instagram. I have a Twitter. I don't really use it. I'm not great at Twitter. I'm really there to watch people be great at Twitter. Uh, but you can find me on Instagram. I'm on uh, Comedy and Chaos this Thursday in Reseda. I don't know when the show comes out. Tomorrow night, uh, the 8th, right? Oh, Leap... Uh, what's that? Leap... Uh, what's, what's it called? Uh the uh, spring spring about? save spring what's it called with the spring four daily savings tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. it's comes out tomorrow in daily savings <laughs> uh yeah so uh comedy and chaos at pd's place in Reseda on thursday the 12th and then the venmo show that dave was just on uh will be at the fourth wall cafe 5 52 20 hollywood boulevard this saturday the 14th also brett eb's birthday show uh, oh nice! And, I should stop by there. Yeah, oh, wait, the, oh yeah, we'll be in town. Yeah, yeah and uh, Josh Potter's headlining, so come on by. Oh, Fre- fun! Free show, free booze. Uh, we just ask you tip the comics you like on Venmo. So come on out. So Venmo show March fourteenth at the at the Fourth Wall Cafe, and uh, Josh Potter, past podcast guest, is headlining. You doing a spot, Brett Eb? That sounds like a fantastic. Any uh, local Los Angeles people, go hit him up and go follow uh, Anthony on Instagram for future show dates and all that jazz. And um, Tasha, anything you want to promote? Your TikTok? No, no, follow me on TikTok. Follow me on Instagram. Follow Tasha. Go follow her home. And um, I don't think I've got anything to promote. Um, I'll, I'll do. I'll, I'll do my own recap after. But thanks again so much for being on the podcast. It was great talking to you. Thanks for having me. Come this back anytime when you record the album, promote it, come back on. And uh, all right, that was it. That's the set. Bye, bye, everybody. Bye. See you. That's it, folks. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. We could have talked to Anthony for hours. I love having conversations with guys that I just met but became old buddies. Like Anthony didn't even, we didn't even really know each other that well going into this, and it's always good to get to hear somebody's story. That's what the SAP is all about getting to the root of people's problems. You see what I did there, folks? Not bad. 
Um, again, if you want to donate to us, patreon.com slash this app, you can get access and a lot of value too to uh, probably 50, 60, I don't know, 70 episodes, 70 hours of content. If uh, if you need more, a lot of people like the solo episodes. That's where they are, folks. And they're a lot of fun to do because when I do them on the Patreon, I can add new music. I can play my favorite Taylor Swift songs. We can have a blast. So get on, get on over to the Patreon and check out what I'm doing over there. You won't be disappointed. That's where that all lives. And hopefully we can get the Roadcaster Pro soon. Oh, I'm so excited. I wish they would sponsor it, but they're way too in demand to want to be one of my sponsors. Everyone's trying to get this piece of equipment. Um, and we'll be able to take phone calls, voicemails, fun things like that. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Should I just buy it? Any, anyone out there with a trust fund? Who's got a good trust fund out there? How about this? If someone wants to buy the Roadcaster Pro, three months of soap. How does that sound? Actually, we should probably give you six months of soap. We'll give you a lot of soap, okay? If you buy the Roadcaster Pro, we will customize the soap for you guys. Whatever you need, we'll, um, we'll uh, you know, write your poetry, whatever it is, folks. Okay, I'm sounding desperate. Let's go. See you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.